0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. After the dust begins to settle following City's momentous week of treble celebrations, attention unfortunately switches to yet another UEFA shambles after fans were left to fend for themselves outside a stadium 12 miles from town. It's Thursday, the 15th of June. I'm Amos Murphy. And I'm Alex Brotherton. And this is the City Report podcast.
1: This extraordinary guy,
0: Aguero. Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, your online home for all the best household beers at refreshingly low prices. Purchase today and get an extra £5 off all orders with the code citypod 5 UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. Welcome, welcome everybody. Um, quick disclaimer, this episode probably isn't going to match the... I don't know, the, the vibes from earlier in the week. And if if you are looking for sort of reaction to City's treble, we've done all sorts on what it means for City, the celebrations, the sort of the emotion of it all. You go back on your Spotify or podcast feed, you should be able to find them there. We felt like, as much as we'd love to carry on those celebrations on this show, and we will return to it tomorrow, we did feel like it was our duty to cover the, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, UEFA shambles, yet another one at a Champions League final. Alex, you and I were both in Istanbul, but before we get into the nitty gritty part, just quickly, good trip. I mean, apart from the the sort of the match day itself, I loved Istanbul. I thought it was a fantastic city. I had reservations about what the Turkish police would be like. I had reservations about what Inter Milan fans would be like. Both of them were perfect. I, I loved the locals. I thought that was one of the best parts of it. They were so welcoming, so chatty. So even those who didn't speak Turkish, I had a conversation with a, a Turkish taxi driver, which he was t- telling me all sorts. I didn't understand, but it was, it was great. This, the whole city itself, I thought, was perfect. I don't know if you shared those opinions, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I'd uh, 100% echo
2: those those thoughts, mate. Um, I thought, you know, obviously it, it costs a lot for people to get there, but that mm-hmm. aside, you know, it's it was sort of the perfect city mm-hmm. to have such a sort of a, a melting pot of... Of all the city fans and all the Inter fans, and just have this sort of festival of, and it was like a festival, you know, in the days running yeah. up to the games, as you as you referenced um, Navizade Street, uh, the city fans took over that <laughs> about three nights in a row, mm. um, you know, drank God knows how many gallons of, of beer much. and 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 what what else, um, but yeah, it was just a party atmosphere, um, great city, you know, once you get to Istanbul, everything's very cheap, food and drink. Um, you know, lots of cultural things to look at for those uh, that were up for that. Um, and yeah, and just a really, a really historic, beautiful city. Um, but as we'll get into, it was the ideal host city, but far from the ideal host uh, stadium. Because, mm. yeah, as you said in the intro, it was just everything about getting to the game and getting back from the game and even parts of during the game was just an absolute shambles for
0: supporters. I suppose people who were in Istanbul... Maybe not everyone will share our opinion on the fact it was a great city. Um, I know there was some trouble with certain locals. Well, personally, I I nearly I was uh, I don't know, victim probably isn't the right word, but uh, sort of someone tried to nick my phone out of my pocket one of the nights. A, a pickpocketer. There was plenty of that going on. Thankfully, it wasn't nicked. But um, I know there were some people who. Maybe were there for twenty four hours or so. That didn't necessarily have the same opinion. But you and I, obviously, we spent a bit of time together over there. We were there from well, you were there Wednesday to Tuesday. I was Thursday to Monday. So you know, thankfully, we did get to see part of those cultural uh, aspects that you mentioned. But we'll we'll get into the um, the 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 trouble basically. And I'll start with you then, Alex, because your your journey to and from the stadium was was good considerably different to mine so it's nice that we've got this sort of this contrasting experience to to delve into um so let's so take us to the, the fan festival, I think it was called, in in Yenikapy or something like that. I butchered the pronunciation for probably the first time of many on this show, but that's where City fans were instructed to travel to for, uh, to the stadium from. Inter were given uh, Taksim Square, which is obviously the main sort of hub of Istanbul. A, a lot of City fans were staying around there. It was probably the most accessible in terms of um, accommodation. So take us to there, where, where the UEFA shuttle buses were departing from, and and what was the Feeling? What was the vibe? What was the experience? What was the environment like around there? Yeah, so um, as you say, city were city were given uh,
2: their transport hub was was at Yeni Kapi, which um, for those listeners that weren't in Istanbul, is uh, is quite far from, from mm. Taksim Square. I don't have the exact distance to hand, but if you were to I walk... I think it was
0: a 25-minute drive. It was about half an hour on the metro.
2: Yeah. It was well over an hour in yeah. terms of walking. If you were to it, walk, it would, it would be close to two hours, I think. Uh, yeah. It was on the side of Istanbul, sort of near to where the Blue Mosque and uh, mm. Hagia Sophia uh, are, but it was... You know, it was, it was quite far out is basically the, the short of it. And um, me and a couple of mates, we were sort of up around the Navizade Street area, which the City fans had taken over, which was about a 10-minute walk from Taksim Square. Mm-hmm. So obviously, City fans got quite unlucky with, with getting Yenikapi, but um, we got a, a local bus down to Yenikapi. You could get the Metro down there. Um, and once we got off the bus at Yenikapi, um, I think we got off the bus next to the metro stop. So a lot of city fans will have experienced this. There was just no clear signage mm-hmm. about how yep. to get from the Yenikapi to the city transport hub where the free shuttle buses were going because it's quite a big place, Yenikapi. I, I think it's a big open space near the near the waterfront. I think it must be it's probably used a lot for sort of um expos and fairgrounds mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um so it's not and it's next to a motorway as well, which makes it slightly dangerous for lots of people. Mm. But um, yeah, so there wasn't really any clear signage. You had people, city fans going in all different directions trying to work out to get there. People walking along the side of a dual carriageway. Um, eventually, you know, after about 20 minutes or so, we, we figured out how to get there. Made the walk to the transport hub, which was next to the the, the official Champions League festival, which was... Sort of like a neutral kind of thing where you could go and have your picture taken with the trophy, that kind of thing. Um, But the transport hub, as City fans were told in advance, it seems scarcely scarcely believable, but they were told that there will be no facilities there at the (laughs) transport hub. Now, that didn't... No facilities, you know, you think, (laughs) okay, yeah, okay, we won't be able to get a burger or anything Mm. like that. But there was no toilets no stands or anything with mm. water to be fair, there were some uEFA um volunteers or uh, maybe not volunteers, but staff giving out free bottles of water mm-hmm. uh which were warm you know there were there was no <laughs> cooling facilities um, and, and I'll
0: just jump in quickly, Alex to add. It was really hot. It was probably this it was is, the hottest yeah. day probably of the trip. It yeah. was maybe about 27, 28 degrees Celsius. And and just to reiterate your point, if it hasn't been covered already, this was a UEFA-organised fan zone. You know, this wasn't just sort of something that the the Turkish government or the Istanbul uh, local council had put on. This was organised by UEFA. And, and to sort of underline and, and, and put it in bold, this is on UEFA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, at this transport hub, we
2: arrived and immediately saw a massive queue. And this was about this was probably about getting onto half four, I think. So you know, mm. five and a half hours before before kickoff, um, and there was a massive queue for the shuttle buses. And to be fair, the queue probably took us about half an hour to get from where we joined the queue to then at the front to get on a bus. But that's still a long time in the heat of the day. as you say the hottest day of the trip sort of pushing Mm. on towards 30 degrees and with not really any cool sort of drinks um Mm. not no toilet facilities i think i believe there was probably toilets in the champions festival but to go in there you know then you risk losing your place in the queue because it Mm. was such a massive complex where the champions league festival was and that it probably would have taken a long time to actually find the toilets um (laughs) but yeah eventually got on the shuttle buses. as you might expect packed on like sardines mm-hmm. um but you know we were pretty happy to get on and sort of we perhaps naively we thought that was the hard bit done <laughs> um because then as uh, yeah the sort of buses were leaving in kind of a convoy sort of thing um buses left Yeni uh and took a route along the coast and then before cutting up north to the stadium um and as people on the bus were kind of looking at google maps you know just to get an idea of how long it was going to be uh because you know people were starting to need the toilet mm-hmm. um it was very hot on the buses no air conditioning uh the windows were those typical bus windows that barely open yeah yeah and i'll, um, I'll
0: jump in again just just to sort of make it abundantly clear when we say shuttle buses, it isn't like, I don't know, a coach or a, you know, it it wasn't luxurious travel. It is literally, if you picture your local bus company, obviously people in Manchester, something like first or stagecoach. it was single deckers sort of maybe like stretched out a little bit. I'd I'd say you could probably get 60 people on it. And as you say, you know, they were all squeezed in the very few seats at all. I'd say the majority of people who were getting these buses were stood up. So you just sort of get that, uh, that sort of that idea of what it was like it wasn't like you say you know air conditioned everyone had a seat there was a toilet on board it was as sort of basic as you could get
2: yeah it was it was basically those those buses you have at airports where if your plane doesn't stop next to the gate you get on the bus and it takes to the terminal building it was one of those um so it basically took two it took us two hours to 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 make the 12 mile drive from Yenikapi to the sort of outskirts of the of the ataturk stadium um i've heard some pretty terrible stories about uh people throwing up because they were just so hot and Mm. dehydrated um people absolutely desperate um almost in tears because they were so desperate for the toilet um Mm. fortunately on our coat on our bus they didn't seem to be much of that i didn't feel too great at one point i was getting really overheated but i did manage to that's another point i forgot um people were having bottles of water taken off them in the bag searches before getting on the <laughs> shuttle buses. Now, I managed to get mine in because I had a kind of a bum bag and there was quite a lot of things in there. Mm. And they weren't, you know, it was covered
0: by other things, so I got it in. Um, but uh, I've seen yeah, a lot of things. smuggle water in it. It, it, it sounds, it, it, like you say, it doesn't sound believable, does it? Having yeah. to smuggle water in to get on a bus. It sounds like you're some sort of convict, like you, you are you are the person in the wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, so at least I, I managed to get a bit of water along with me. Um, so yeah, fast forward a little bit. So two hours later, we actually finally arrive at the at the Ataturk Stadium. On the last few kilometres, like we passed loads of City fans that had just lost the sort of will to carry on on this mm-hmm. bus because they were yeah. desperate for the toilet. So in fact, um, a group of lads, um, probably around the sort of early twen- mid-20s maybe, um, actually Got the driver to let them off our bus. Uh, I think they probably thought they were closer to the stadium than they mm. were, because they they had at least about a two to three kilometre walk along the side of the motorway to get to the stadium, but they were just so like desperate to get off. Mm. And when we got there, there was just a complete sort of mob of people trying to funnel into um sort of a few ticket checkpoints to get into the fan zone. So it took a while to get in. By the time we got in, uh it was probably about around seven o'clock or just after seven o'clock and we got in to find that the food kiosks, drink kiosks had stopped selling yeah. anything um, Yeah, se- anything bar water. So no food, no alcoholic beverages for people that wanted mm. that kind of thing. Nothing, just water. Um, which, which, and not uh, much believe- of it of that.
0: Yeah, I believe it had been communicated, or at least I'd been told whether or not that was correct. It had been 8 o'clock was the shut-off to give two hours to get into the stadium. Yeah. Because kickoff was 10pm local time, which we'll get to, by the mm-hmm. way. But I, I believe it was 8pm and, and loads of people saying no. Actually, it had been done by 7. Yeah, uh, the official sh- closing time of the fan zone was 8. But mm. after 7 o'clock,
2: they weren't serving food or beer or anything. Um, yeah, I know I, I went nipped after like the 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 massively long (laughs) journey i went to the toilet um which were basically converted caravans (laughs) um now for blokes it was all right because a lot of guys just went over to the perimeter fence and just and just urinated there but you know for for the women it was like just horrendous cues and again i'm sure we'll we'll come on to it in the in the second part of of the other part of this podcast um you know just horrendous cues for for the ladies toilets Mm. um so, yeah, after that, then we, about 20 to, 20 to 9, so about an hour and 20 minutes before kickoff, um, we had, we left the fan zone towards the stadium. But as you got to the the actual edge of the stadium, all the signage just sort of disappeared, and City fans just had to walk through what was another sort of coach car park. I think there were some TV trucks and that kind of thing in mm. there, uh, minibuses, transport for, you know, dignitaries and... The families of players and that kind of thing uh and it was just sort of like walking through a car park to then you know and there was there was potential, then that's when there was potential crush points and mm. thankfully there wasn't anything like that and in that regard luckily city fans didn't have to endure what those liverpool fans did mm. in paris last year but there was points where city fans were trying to get between these police fences that have been set up on either side mm. of the road that rings the that circles the stadium they were trying to get through these small gaps um and eventually you know fans just pushed the barriers over because it was getting dangerous so yeah. that kind of averted that um but yeah it was once you got to the turnstiles getting in wasn't too bad but actually getting to the turnstiles was mm. was ridiculously like difficult and stressful and just needlessly so and it just it's baffling that was no signage no people saying oh go this way no stewards no no mm. no police helping people to tell them where to go, there was just nothing. If if it had been much easier to get to the stadium and everyone was there at the same time, I do fear that it could have been it could have been worse.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um in terms of my journey there then, we we headed to uh Yenakapi. Um I got the pronunciation right at that time. And we, we were we were planning on getting the buses. We got the metro from Taksim Square over sort of under one of the sort of the the river passages sort of thing in Istanbul if you're not if you didn't go there I'd I'd really recommend pulling up a map and sort of just trying to pinpoint the different places we're speaking about because it it can sound sort of exaggerative when we're saying Istanbul is a gigantic city but you really do get a sense of sort of the the scale of it when we say oh we're going from Taksim to Yenikapi to the Atatürk etc so that that may help people who who didn't go but um, same similar sort of thing to you when we arrived there coming out the station we must have walked in pretty much six different directions to try and get towards where we were believed this this fan zone, this festival, these buses were from. We must have wasted genuinely about 25 minutes just trying to find the place where it was. And, and when we eventually got there, there were people walking back the other way, telling us, "Oh, you know, it's a two-hour queue in the, in the in a two-hour queue in the wait to get a bus, let alone to then get to the stadium." And, and at this point, we're probably about six hours off kickoff, and we're thinking, "You know, this this is going to be a nightmare." So, thankfully, that the people I was with, it was a party of seven, so we we went up to some local taxi drivers who had sort of strategically placed alongside the route, as you may expect, knowing that people are going to look at it and go, "Yeah, I'm not having that." And, and luckily, maybe is. The wrong word but sort of we, we managed to negotiate a, a 200 pound deal for two taxes straight to the ground which probably worked out about 30 quid each which wasn't ideal but like when when we mentioned the fact it was really hot it was um obviously the traffic was going to be horrendous we thought we'd need to get to the stadium as soon as possible having known previously from the from the last season the trouble liverpool fans had had clearly uefa didn't take that into into uh, into too much consideration themselves so obviously that was that was good for us but that doesn't sort of Negate the fact that there have been people in in solo parties who wouldn't have been able to stump up a hundred pound taxi, or people travelling as two or threes, which you know come into about forty quid each or something like that, and and the taxi drivers were. Sort of hell bent on making sure they got the most out of this this sort of transaction. They were putting prices up. I think one to start off with quoted three hundred pounds straight to the stadium, which is utter absurd. It's it's twelve miles, and it was a treacherous journey. But it's about maybe in normal times forty five minutes to an hour. Um, but but then getting onto the journey itself, it was it was pretty mental to be honest. Looking back at it, and it's well known that Turkish. Turkish drivers in general are, uh, let's say, experimental with their driving. It was sort of, at one point, we were the third car in a sort of side-by-side uh, side in, in a one-car one, one car lane road. It was just, it was it was complete and utter lawlessness. There were people going round corners at like 40, 50 miles an hour, um, near misses, multiple near misses with motorbike drivers drivers slamming on the brakes, nearly hitting each other. It was ge- like genuinely, at some point, I had no idea how we were going to get, or, or sorry, what state we were going to get towards the ground. I think it took about two and a half hours in the car, or something like that, like you say, loads of people getting out and walking, which sort of, in, in a sense, it had this biblical, almost pilgrimage-like view. The sun was setting over the Ataturk or, or the area around it, and you could just see swarms of people. And when we eventually got out, I'd say it's probably maybe a mile away from the ground. And, and we did that walk ourselves. We were sort of head on to traffic coming off a dual carriageway. And um, eventually one of one of the people we with met up with a, an older mate and he had a dodgy knee. So we were trying to sort of traverse these, I don't know what you'd call them, like sideway drain pipes or, or like uh, sort of uh, water runoffs on the side of the road where, you know, flooding barriers or whatever. And we we're trying to sort of scale these. This poor fella. Who had a sort of a knee brace on was could could barely do 100 meters in one go. So we kept having to stop. Obviously, it, the, the the heat was soaring. It was stark. It was chastening in, in a sense. And and little did we know about two or three hours later after the game, Alex, it would it get even worse. So um, we'll we'll pick the story up there before we go for a break, and and I sort of delve into some of the listener submissions from people's own individual accounts, but. City, win the Champions League, lift the trophy, everybody's buzzing. Um, coming out the ground. Obviously, it had gone dark by this point. It was probably about 12 30 a.m. Um, gone midnight anyway. What happened next? Yeah, um, so yeah, I think I personally
2: expected it to be having experience getting to the stadium. I was like, mm. yeah, it's not it's not going to be great getting home because you know, just the the obvious thing that everyone's trying to leave at the same time, whereas people were trying to get to the stadium and kind of dribs and drabs. But I don't think I could have ever imagined it would be as difficult as it was. Um, so, yeah, we left the stadium, um, got to the, did the walk from the stadium to the the place where the coaches had dropped us off because that's where they were meant to pick people back up uh, mm-hmm. and take them back to, well, take them either back to Yeni i.e. the city centre, uh, or there was buses to the airport, uh, one both of the airports. Um, but we got there there was i don't even know how many people were in the queue and when i say mm. queue it was more like a sort of 15 a s- people yeah, abreast a <laughs> and then like just you know hundreds and hundreds back so it was just a big sort of column of wide column of people mm. um and there, there were like railings kind of put up to and like a sign saying like this is this is where the shuttle bus stop is but there weren't any like there weren't really any stewards at the at the shuttle bus bit. There were stewards sort of and police officers from yeah. uh, near the stadium. Um, uh, but yeah, basically there was maybe, I, I've seen different numbers and I couldn't really, I can't really recall which ones were for the city centre and which ones for the airport, but I was trying to get to the city centre and there was maybe mm. like two or three city centre shuttle buses and obviously they were already full because we weren't like the first mm. people there. You would have had to be in the first maybe like 200 people, I guess. You'd have probably had to leave at full um, time. Yeah, You'd have probably have had yeah. to
0: miss the trophy celebrations to have managed to get on one of the first buses anyway. Yeah, but the problem was um, those buses, as along, along
2: with an assortment of other sort of private hire coaches that were in the coach park, taxis that had entered the coach park to mm. pick pe- people up... Um, vehicles taking, you know, players' families and executives and VIPs and that kind of thing, couldn't get out of the car park uh, because uh, the the entrance slash exit to this car park was basically a two-track road, so Mm. wide enough for one car, just about wide enough for one car to come in at the same time as another one is Mm. going out. But if you've got a coach, there's no way that there could be two Mm. vehicles passing each other. Um, So it's just absolute gridlock, you know. The rest of the uh, shuttle buses were outside on the sort of entrance road to get to the entrance not able to get into the car park because of the absolute just the gridlock um so then you had these people thousands of people in this queue kind of waiting for about an hour after a while um me and my mate that we, we, i was with um basically sacked it off because we saw you and you yeah. and your um group of Cohort. mates had uh, <laughs> um had basically just you know we had been to the front to have a look it was yeah. just an absolute shambles there was no chance it was going to work Um, So then, yeah, we all walked back towards the stadium, didn't we? Had a bit of a sit down on this big sort of access, private access road, trying to think of what to do. In the end, me and a couple of others um, left you, went back to the Mm. coach park. And by that point, the queue had just completely gone Um, and more coaches had got into the car park. So Mm. people had either got on those and then everyone else must have just sacked it off and, you know, Mm. Head, and we'll get on to what other people did um, in terms of trying to get taxis and getting the metro. Which, funnily enough, we had been told by a police officer wasn't running. Mm. When it turns out, when it turns out, yeah, yeah, it turns out it was running. And some some city fans did pretty well because they got the metro and had a fairly stress free journey home. But we'll let those people tell that. Um, But yeah, so got back to the coach park. uh, Not basically our only option really was to just knock on the the bus doors that had already like they 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 were people they were packed and but they were, couldn't move. Um so mm. we just knocked on asking the drivers to let us in. First one said no, uh because there was no room at all. And then luckily that the next one we tried actually let us on because there was a bit of space right at the front of the bus next to where the driver is. Mm. Um and after getting on it was at least another maybe hour, maybe a bit more before we actually left the car park. We were just sort of mm. slowly inching towards the exit. Um and then after finally leaving the car park, it was like the, the roads were actually pretty empty on the way back to Istanbul as as you would expect at 2 30 a.m. <laughs> um so and then I think we got back to Yenikapi about probably about 3 a.m. Um but then we had the because of the the location of Yenikapi and a lot of city fans like ourselves were staying nearer to Taksim Square. Um mm. and by that point I believe the metro had actually finished. Because it was it was so early, but so late in the night by that point, um, so we basically just had to try and get a taxi. Um, there was taxis at the coach park uh, at Yennicapi, quoting. I can't remember. It was about. A, I think they said a hundred dollars to go back to Taksim Square, which you know is a, is about a six mile journey. Uh, yeah. Less than that, yeah. I think. Less than
0: six. About it's, six it's kilometers. It's about twenty five minutes in, um, in a
2: car. So um, we basically walked a bit back close to Yenikapi Metro finally, uh, used Uber actually to get in contact Mm. with, um, because they don't actually have Ubers in in Turkey, I don't think, but some yellow cab drivers are hooked up to the Uber system somehow. So we got Mm. in contact with this guy who agreed to take us for, I can't remember how much it was. I think it was, I think it was about 30 euros or the equivalent of 30 Mm. euros, which we were more than happy to pay, um, and we got back to our apartment sort of about a 15-minute walk from Taksim Square at 4 a.m. Um, so, you know, three hours after we'd like about maybe a bit more than three hours after we'd uh, initially tried to get on a, a shuttle bus. So that's, yeah, took even longer to get home. So, yeah, I guess that that's my story. But that doesn't even scratch the surface of what, you know, wheelchair users, um, children had like children had to go through, mm. you know, just the conditions, just absolutely terrible.
0: Yeah, um, my obviously, like you mentioned, we we were together for some part of that. By the way, when when we say car park, that's doing quite a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> it's uh, sort of like a a hill covered in gravel. Um, yeah. there, there's there's no sort of well, it is a it is a big car park. It's a giant car park, but mainly because no cars can actually move. It's just a collection of vehicles sort of going down this hill, and you can actually see. Um, I posted one of the, the photos and videos. Actually, you can actually see down onto the motorway and it was just red brake lights, I'd say maybe two miles long, um, you know, just as far as the eye can see, all you are being able to, to view is cars parked up, not, not moving at all, just pure gridlock. And again, not in a sort of, if there can be an orderly fashion of gridlock, it's cars coming at you from diagonals, sort of any gap, there's a car moving into it. And, and don't forget, there's people trying to sort of walk through this as well. This isn't, you know, if you stood there, you're, 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 you're at your own risk, obviously, but this is where people were having to walk. And uh, genuinely, genuinely how nobody got hurt, I have, I have no idea. Um, eventually, I'll, I'll sort of fill in the gaps, but eventually the, the people I was with, uh, when the road started moving somewhat, there was um, a, a black van of, of locals, let's call them grafters, who were in and around the stadium. I think they were selling flares, which were obviously um, more accepted in Turkey than, than they are in pyrotechnics than they are in other European and, and English uh, destinations so, but basically they pulled up to the side of the road and said taxi, taxi, taxi if they were anything but it was just a group of lads who were, who were trying to make some money and, and eventually miraculously actually it has to be said we managed to get um get a, a deal for 100 British pounds and it was only because someone I was with had that in sterling that was able to give it them, they were asking for for $200 they are asking for 3,000 uh, lira which is the local currency and And obviously we didn't have that on us at the time, but thankfully um, one of the fellows we were with did have hundred quid, which he, he, you know, he took. And and again, sort of like two hours to get home, probably an hour in the, in the car park in quotation marks. It was, it was truly, truly astonishing. And and again, I go back to it. It's, It's an absolute miracle how nobody got hurt as you'll hear about after this short break. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. A little bit of a different episode, as you can probably tell by now. Um, If you are looking for the celebratory stuff, please do go back on your podcast feed. We've had three episodes so far this week, and we should have another one tomorrow where we are covering Manchester City winning the treble. I keep having to pinch myself and remind myself just how fantastic an achievement that is. Um, As promised then, we will get into some of the Testimonies on the ground in Istanbul. I stuck a tweet out yesterday, and we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people replying, sending DMs with their own personal experiences. Unsurprisingly, though, quite a lot of them were the same. So we, we've picked out some of those which we we believe need to be shared and need to be sort of told to as many people. And, and I'll start with this one from Dan, who. He messaged in to say, and, and one of the most harrowing stories from this entire um, experience. But he said, "My dad's in a wheelchair. Um, his sister um, was his carer for for the for the day for the weekend. She had to drag his chair over gravel to get to the stadium. It was supposed to be tarmac. I believe that had been sort of um, the question had been asked before, but they didn't end up doing it. So it was like sort of this this really horrible, horrible gravel, not not accessible at all, barely accessible by foot, let alone." a wheelchair dan continues to say disabled access because of this is is absolutely chronic and the question what if there had been an emergency and i I personally feel that is a, a really sort of a pertinent point to this entire sort of situation because had there been an ambulance that needed to get through had there been somebody who had hit had been hit by a car There was absolutely no medical attention. And underneath that tweet, Dan's sister actually chipped in and and shared her own um, experience, saying that we had to wait an hour after the match for a disabled shuttle bus to pick us up from the stadium back to the main car park to collect the bus that would take us back to the airport. They say no one was there to help. Only two UEFA officials that we saw spoke any English. I'm so thankful for the fans that were able to help me that night. This is from Greeno, um, and it sort of it mentions our entrance was gay R. we got there and there must have been a thousand people in a massive huddle around the 3 meter wide four turnstile entrance by now by now time was getting on a bit and it was getting a bit scary with people pushing and fans singing you didn't know what you were doing there was there was a lot of confusion we eventually got in about time the stupid Pepsi show thing had started the turnstile guys just opened them up to people could get in they'd totally dispensed with any searches which is obviously going to pose a safety concern when we got in the bogs the toilets were rammed and there was urine all over the floor the concession stand queue was massive so having not eaten since 10 a.m we went without food and water too After the game, we went to try and find a coach. We followed the crowd down to the entrance road to see if we could find any. By now, my COPD was kicking in due to the poor air quality and exhaust fumes. My daughter had a message from a mate saying they were back on a shuttle and and where we were. We walked back up the hill, stopping several times due to my exhaustion. They finished the message off by saying, What I'm pissed off about the most is we took all the fan advice from UEFA. And they didn't care about us fans unless we arrived in a helicopter or a limo. Couple more then Lisa says taxi drivers were quoting between 150 to 200 euros minimum. After walking for ages down roads with no pavement, we managed to get a minibus with a load of other blues over to Taksim Square for around 3,000 lira. Then a taxi to apartment. Apartment was four kilometers from the ground and it took hours. Peda says metro to the ground was a disgrace. No police at changing stations. Um, a few young lads in black shirts trying to hold off hundreds without tickets from crushing through people taking pictures of our fan passes at the gates to try to get to as close of the ground as possible into fans, making it past the first time two lines of security in our end of the stadium. Alcohol at fan zone was supposed to be served until eight and it was non-existent at seven, um, had a small flag taken away by stewards with no English that they spoke no English only for somebody to luckily be able to let us in with it instead Johnny says there was eight of us on the way there in a minibus that had originally been agreed for around £84, but the driver then tried to quadruple the price, or triple the price, sorry, until we threatened to walk away. Um, 90-minute drive, the crawl towards the stadium, people walking on the carriageway selling beer cans and flares through car windows, no sort of concern for safety, utter carnage. Sean Jones says and and the attacher photograph saying I saw this dad pushing his son around on graveled ground um, which was unsuitable for wheelchairs. He was knackered. His son just looked deflated after what was meant to be a beautiful evening. This really, really tried to put a dampener on our night. James says it was an hour and 45 minutes on the shuttle bus to the ground to get 2.5 kilometers away before we abandoned and then walked the rest. That took about 40 minutes. Went to get shuttle on the way back, saw amount of people and lack of Buses so walked back to the stadium and got the metro, which eventually turned out to be seamless. Lots of people saying the metro was the best option in the end, but as, as we've alluded to, there, was, there were stewards and police officers saying that it was not, it wasn't for Inter, sorry, it was only for Inter fans and it had actually shot when in actual fact it hadn't. Few people now mentioning what it was like trying to get food and drink inside the stadium. Una says that um, the the concessions tried to charge us thirty euros for six tiny cups of water in the stadium. James says. Uh, inside the stadium, they were they were charged twenty seven pound for four cartons of water, not bottles, by the way. Basically, two sips and it was gone. Another submission um, about the stadium experience. Someone saying they wanted to have a have a way around uh, eight thirty p.m., so an hour and a half before kickoff. But the queue for toilets was so long. In the end, just ended up dehydrated and wasn't able to have a way. But what what was most striking was the fact that different people were being charged different prices for food and drink inside the stadium heard people saying that that bottles of coke went from 5 euros to 20 euros um, another another submission from the DM, so I'll keep anonymous, but they say, I went there with a mate and my 79-year-old granddad. What? Out the ground and said there'd be 100 buses waiting. Stewards were telling people that. Nowhere to sit and wait for him. Nobody knew where to stand. Taxis were asking for 400 euros. I'm sure you've heard it all already, but we got a bus for about an hour and 30 in the car park. What made it worse was the buses going both to and from the ground. His granddad had to sit on the floor. Final one then, another one from the DMs. Um, and it's it's a pretty lengthy one so stick with us but they say trophy lifted etc so we decided to go out of the ground no stewards, no UEFA staff it was like they'd all gone home as soon as we were in the stadium walked alongside the gravel like lots of other fans with only car lights to guide us and and that was another important point there was very few if any street lights it was a completely unsafe surface with hazards and certainly not uh, suitable for disabled fans walked all the way along until we got to the motorway exit with everyone else Again, no information. The police decided to do nothing. Decided to walk back and try and find a bus. Every bus we saw was packed and not going to to one of the airports, not going to central Istanbul. Eventually, we found an unattended bus with the signage on. The driver was outside smoking, completely ignoring our calls to let us on. We eventually did get on the bus after an hour of searching. I was among the last one on and stood next to the driver. Again, it took us an hour and a half to get out of the car park. After we got out, we were dropped off at the side of the motorway in front of a barrier again incredibly dangerous and unsuitable our hotel was a 10 minute walk from the travel hub and we didn't get back into it until 4:20 a.m overall a complete shambles there was no organization and it left fans isolated far away from hotels and accommodation in what was a dangerous place Apologies to anyone who we didn't get to read out. As I said, there was absolutely hundreds. So we have tried as best as we can to cover it. And and again, you know, a lot of the stories were uh, quite similar. So I'm sure the words that we're saying are resonating with quite a few people. But yeah, an absolute, an absolute travesty, a shambles, a, a scandal, a true scandal that it, it came to this. And um, dear me, it, again, I go back to it. it. It's an absolute miracle nobody was hurt. Yeah, I think...
2: Um, well, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, after the Paris final last year between Liverpool and Real Madrid, um, there was this inquiry, wasn't there? And yeah. there was an independent report and UEFA said they adopted some new regulations in terms of, you know, preventing that kind of thing happening again. Now, I think that needs to be made more. It's important to point out that like this final in Istanbul was awarded to Istanbul uh long before that happened mm. you know the final was meant to be there in 2020 and, and didn't because of obviously covid then it was meant to be 2021 but again covid stopped that then obviously 2022 was paris so then they've got it this year but it does beg the question like did UEFA have any regulations before what happened in Paris last year <laughs> if that like it's staggering that you know what happened to the Liverpool fans uh which was obviously not to sort of play down the experiences of of the city fans we've just heard but Mm. the, the liverpool one was more probably more dangerous there was a genuine risk of life there yeah whereas this was extremely uncomfortable for us um and traumatic in some instances but yeah it's just like what were the regulations before that but then even you know okay like yes uefa have adopted regulations they couldn't just take if they decided that Istanbul, uh, the Atatürk Stadium didn't meet the new regulations. They couldn't really just take it off them. Um, mm. But then it's like there's certain things that could have been done, like the lack of signage. Like mm. that, you, It sounds like a small thing compared to being, in, when you compare it to being crammed on a bus without water and toilets for hours, the lack of signage doesn't really sound important, but it's, it's just one of the little things that adds to the whole stress of the situation, the confusion, the kind of people just getting really irritated and sort of distressed. When people get confused, they panic, and when people panic, they make bad decisions, and you know that can lead to sort of mass hysteria and and more dangerous things happening. Um, so I think even if the stadium, if nothing could be done about um, you know put, playing it in a more suitable stadium, then there are definitely things that could have been done.
0: Mm. yeah well how about binning off the the pre-match show and the billions that had been spent on that or or the millions that had been spent on getting uh, vips in, in and out the ground by the way i i know a, a few people said oh it was a nightmare you know um Hospitality guests and whatever said it was a nightmare, but they all had pre-arranged travel. And I'm not saying that everybody should have a a seat booked on a bus. It is, you know, you do expect it to be a little bit of a cram going to and from a massive game. But that just just the utter the sort of the utter disregard, really, I think, is the the main talking point. And, and you're right to bring up the stadium because obviously UEFA have uh, regulations in terms of I think it's sixty thousand capacity to to be able to hold a Champions League final, but. City only got 18-odd thousand of the, the allocation Inter only got 18-odd thousand of the allocation so it's probably just over half of that stadium's capacity went to actual and I'm not, I'm not saying like those people who were there who weren't sort of uh, from the allocation itself because there was some UEFA ballots and neutral zones etc aren't actual fans but sold through the club only about half of the capacity went and and just quickly looking at, at Istanbul is this it, it, it's like London in the sense there's football clubs literally everywhere and one of the biggest ones that people people know, is, of course, Galatasaray. And their stadium has a capacity of 52,000 and a half. So, what, 8,000 short of UEFA's sort of uh, self-imposed um, restriction on a stadium capacity. You could still have the entire allocation given to City and Inter fans into that stadium and still have, what, 14,000 there for, or 12,000 there, whatever it may be, for hospitality or neutral. That's more than enough. And this stadium is probably half the distance from Istanbul centre than than the Atatürk was. So it wasn't for the lack of options on UEFA's part and as she said they were warned they knew this was going to happen it was the same in 2005 and I genuinely I genuinely if you put the the accounts from Liverpool fans in 2005 next to the accounts of City supporters in in 2023 I'd be I'd be astonished if anything had changed I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be mind blown because it seems like it was exactly the same and um, I guess we'll wrap on this then Alex so it doesn't get too out of hand but do you think this will only worsen the fans' relationship from a City point of view with UEFA? Yeah, I mean, as you just... Yeah, as you said, like, it's... I think people,
2: people that don't support City assume that City boo the anthem and don't like UEFA because mm. because of the whole and uh, ban back in 2021. I think it was, 2021. Yeah. Um, or 2020, so yeah, it's the COVID years. Um, but yeah, it's obviously, there's just so many examples of UEFA proving they're just not really fit for purpose. And I'd be shocked if this doesn't, you know, further deteriorate people's views of mm-hmm. UEFA. And I can only assume that City fans didn't boo the anthem at the final because they just felt bad about booing a fella on a piano because like, <laughs> if it was just a normal anthem blaring up for the speakers, yeah. so it, it probably it would have been quite the sight to behold, but yeah that this isn't i've I've always been a bit sort of like I don't tend to boo the anthem mm. and i've 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 not really I don't think UEFA's any great organization but you know I've never really had a strong opposition to them but this now that I've experienced this shambles and you know perhaps it was naive of me in the past because plenty of clubs we've mentioned Liverpool a lot have had bad experiences mm-hmm. um but it's never really affected city fans too badly. Um, or like the, the a big group of City fans too badly mm-hmm. but um, now it has so yeah I think it just sort of it's, it's a wake-up call to like there's just so much wrong with this organisation and, and how it operates and change needs to come but I'm not too
0: confident that it will and, and that's the depressing part, isn't it? We, we've just done about an hour um, on what happened in Istanbul. And, and I do, it's not a shame City didn't win at all. But what I mean by that is, I think had City not won that game, had City not completed the treble, had City left Istanbul as losers in the Champions League final, I feel this story would have been 10 times what it is. Because I think, you know, per, even personally, in that, in that sort of melee after the game, I was content... We've just sort of sitting about the stadium, going on my phone, soaking in the sort of the adulation, the the sort of the feelings on Twitter and online, you know, had City been I, I think it would have been it would have been much worse from a fan's point of view because I think there'd have been uh, potential for trouble, potential for fighting, potential for sort of any sort of aggro, really. But in terms of actual the coverage of it, and I'm not saying it hasn't been covered because well we're sat doing it now, but I think it would have been amplified and it would have been a much bigger story than it is, which is why hopefully fingers crossed, um, we're trying to get our voices and your voices out there. So a massive thank you to anyone who submitted one of their uh, testimonies. Um, Right, okay, Alex, that'll do. Uh, we've gone into plenty of detail there. I'm sure. I'm sure anyone who, like I said, was looking for celebratory podcasts can uh, can. If you made it this far, then fair play. Uh, it's been a little bit sadistic, but um, I really appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing your experiences as well.
2: Yeah, I think it was important um, for us to go through that as sort of not very enjoyable thing to do. But um, mm. yeah, it's
0: hopefully something good will come of this. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. good news is it's Wembley next year so um, God knows what they'll manage to turn Wembley way into Um, if you haven't already please hit follow hit subscribe you can find all all of our details in the uh, podcast description in terms of Twitter and social media until next time we'll see you later